It's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to the Tea with Mike show, uh, Nick Clavia. Welcome to Tea with Mike, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, super excited uh, to dive into your story today. So let's start with uh, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up, you know, in, in the suburbs of Illinois, in Carroll Stream, Illinois, and pretty much I basically lived here my whole life and, you know, and I'm still here today. So, you know, it's 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 very cool. I live in a small town, you know, not a lot of people, but it's pretty cool that everybody in this town pretty much knows each other, you know, so that's one thing I like about living now here. And what were some of your favorite things to do growing up? Favorite things to do growing up, um, you know, playing basketball was was my favorite thing. Um, that's the thing that I dreamed about my whole life. When I was three years old, my mom just put a, a ball in my hands. I remember living in an apartment, you know, shooting in the little hoop and things like that and had dreams of, you know, playing professional basketball one day and things like that. So basketball is the number one thing. You know, I love, you know, hanging out with friends, you know, kicking it. I'm a very chill guy, you know, so and just hanging out with with family, too. So and hanging out with um, kids with special needs. That's a lot of that's a lot that I do in my free time. You know, these kids just don't have that much opportunities in life to succeed. And if there's any way you can help out and just put a smile on their face, it, it's like the greatest feeling in the world. So I love what I do. And at what age did you first uh, pick up a basketball? Yeah, I picked up a basketball, like a legit basketball at about five years old. And my mom, you know, put me in a, in a park district league. And the first practice I had, you know, I just fell in love with the game of basketball and I rolled with it ever since. So Amazing. And so that you'd say it was something that as you've pro uh, progressed to where you are now, it's something that's always kind of uh, motivated you and, and and it wasn't kind of... Although your parents influenced you picking up a basketball, it's never been uh, forced. Yeah, no, absolutely. As soon as she put the ball in my hands, you know, I just, I, I just fell in love with it. You know, I loved everything about the game of basketball, and yeah, that's. There's not much more to say about the game of basketball. I just loved it so much, and still love it today, of course. So, if you could pick out one thing about uh, basketball that you love uh, so much, like what is that one? thing or characteristic yeah competition i i am i'm a very competitive guy i might be all my teammates think that i'm like the most low-key person out there but what when the when the lights are on and when the game is on i am the most aggressive person out there everyone goes where's this kid you know where's what is going on because you know i'm such a laid-back guy but i'm just i was just a different animal on the basketball court unfortunately my career is over today you know but um you know, now I'm working on an idea that, you know, help out special needs kids in a major way for the game of basketball. So that's my next accomplishments now in life going forward. Do you kind of have uh, two, like two, two modes? Do you have like the competitive Nick mode? And, but as soon as you step off court, uh, you just want to get to, to get hang out with your friends and get to know the opponents. Is it is that how you operate? Yeah, pretty much. You know, um, when it comes to the, you know, the game of basketball, whenever I'm playing, no matter if it's an actual game or, you know, playing in like a rec league or, you know, playing outdoor hoops with people, I, I'm always there to win. You know, I hate losing so much. That's the thing I hate the most in this, in this world is to lose. You know, that's it's the worst feeling in the world, you know. But 
off the court, yeah, I'm I'm just a real, you know, chill person that just gets along with everybody. And so, yeah, that's that's pretty much my personality. What are some of the most uh, challenging things about, about playing basketball to you? Um, the most challenging things could be sometimes, you know, sometimes your shot's not, not going down. You know, there's games where you're really hot and you might have a few games in a row when you're very cold. But, you know, because it, it could be very frustrating, especially, you know, myself, like I was known to be like a very good uh, shooter, you know, throughout high school and things like that. So, you know. Normally my shot was going down, but there, there's games when I when I really struggled and I go back home and I I just been so aggravated with myself that I I, did, I just didn't want to talk to anybody. But that's not the right way to go about it. You know, it's you got to move on. Next day's a new day, and yeah, that's 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 the biggest challenge: how to overcome, you know, those situations. Because a lot of people get so frustrated that they just don't know how to relax and you know slow down watch film, see what you were doing, and then correct it at practice next day or, you know, films, you know, things like that. So, Great. And that leads perfectly into uh, what were some of your favorite subjects in school and why? Favorite subjects in school? Um, math was probably my favorite subject just because that that's what I was best at. You know, um, I always had A's in every, you know, class I had in math. So I was always stellar in math. So math was definitely my favorite subject. What was it about math that uh, clicked so much, maybe in comparison to some other subjects? Yeah, um, I was just always good with numbers. Um, my mom, you know, she's a she's um, a manager at a, a Fifth Third Bank, and she's been a banker her whole life. And she's always, you know, when she was ever doing, you know, having to do calculations and things like that when I was a little kid, she always made me do the calculations. So from a number standpoint, I learned that at a very young age, and that's why I was always the top of my class when it came to math. So, nice and finally on, on, on the math front, what which do you have a favorite part about math? Is it is it is it the shape stuff? Because I know when I was in school, um, I wasn't generally great at math as a whole, but I was really quick with like numbers and like multiplication tables, like seven nines of 63 and, and things like that. So is there any particular aspect of math or is it a little bit more broad? It's a little bit more broad. You know, my when it comes to like the weaknesses, even though I was so good at it, I wasn't really the geometry type. It's just something that I didn't like to do. But when it comes to like accounting numbers and things like that, that's just stuff that I was always good at, you know, multiplication, division, you know, adding, subtracting, things like that. And Pendus and things like that. I was just always at the top of my grade when it came to that kind of stuff. So in an interview that you recently uh, did with your brother, you talk about some of the ch of the challenges that you face learning at school. So can you tell us a little bit more about these learning challenges and and how you felt about these at the time? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was, um, you know, a kid in um, elementary school and throughout middle school and halfway through high school, um, I was diagnosed with a learning disability. So when it came to like um, certain subjects like reading in English, that was my downfall because I couldn't, every time I read something, I just never understood, you know, what was going on. And, you know, I was just, just not really good at it. So when I was in um, elementary school, all middle school and most of high school, I was put in smaller size classrooms when it came to those kind of subjects. And, you know, at the time I was so embarrassed about it 
because not only like I was the very popular kid when it came to, you know, being one of the top athletes at the school because, you know, everyone knew me as a basketball player and things like that. But I just didn't want people to know that I was just in a classroom with six to seven kids and not being in an average size classroom with 30 to 35 people because I just didn't want people to think that there was something wrong with me, you know, and I remember whenever the, the bell rang, I made sure that I was the first kid out of the classroom. You know, so people didn't know that I was just in the classroom with six people. I, I just didn't want anybody to know about that. And now in life, now thinking about it, um, it really helped me to become the person who I am today. So I think those experiences, because I see a lot of kids now that have the same learning disabilities as me that are in smaller size classrooms and things like that. And I just want to let them know not to give up because there's there's a lot of people out there that have been in smaller size classrooms that have learning disabilities and things like that that were able to become you know, very successful in life. So that's just where you are right now. You know, when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, that that doesn't mean that that should define you when you're 23, 24, 25 years old. So. So, so true, man. So I'll, I'll share with you because uh, we, we actually have a lot more in common than uh, you may think. So I, I have ADHD. I also have uh, uh, dyslexia. And, and so at school, like, I, I tried hard, but I it always took me longer to process uh, the information and then maybe some of my uh, classmates. And I didn't f- discover this until maybe two-thirds of the way I grew up in England to about two-thirds of the way through uh, secondary school, which is the education uh, system over there. But uh, when I discovered, like, I guess what made me different or what made me uh, special because I believe we're always uh, unique. Um, once I knew what challenges and differences I had, I was able to work with um, like a private tutor and they helped unlock my full potential and helped me get like like kind of similar to you in math, like top grades in English and stuff. So I, it, it's all just about, in my opinion, like finding a, a different way to unlock what you have inside outside of the traditional uh, path yeah absolutely i i couldn't agree you know more with you and going you know back in high school things like that because since i was well known for you know being the top basketball player not just in the school but you know in the area like i've won a lot of awards in high school you know i was unanimous all conference um, I was all area. I was all state honorable mention and things like that. And I was getting heavily recruited by, you know, uh, division two, II, division three schools and things like that. And, you know, a lot of these teachers, when I was still in those smaller size classrooms, when I came to, you know, English and reading and things like that, I remember there was this one teacher that told me you better get a full ride offer because you're not going to get into a, a college academically because they didn't think that I had no shot, especially because of my learning disability that I was going to be able to handle the you know, the college coursework and things like that. And that lit me up because I, I actually, it might be bad to say, but I kind of like when people doubt me in a way, because it feels so good in the end when you always prove those doubters wrong, you know, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So when I went to college, you know, I have a business administration degree, you know, at Dominican university, a small D three college in River Forest, Illinois. Um, you know, there are top 20 business school in the country. They are known for a business school. So the fact that I went there and I got a business degree at one of the best business schools in the country, you know, overcoming my learning disability and things like that, because, you know, in business, it's a lot of reading. You got to read a lot about different, you know, companies. You got to look at, you know, a lot of numbers and things like that. You got to be able to figure things out. And for me to prove those people who have doubted me wrong, you know, it's the greatest feeling in the world. 
So, and I'm only going up from here. So I got a lot more work to do. I like your, um, I like your attitude and, and it's, and it's rubbing off even as we uh, have this conversation, you're making me hungry to keep progressing in uh, the things I'm doing. So that's amazing. And we'll, we're going to have a little uh, tea break, which is pretty uh, traditional, I guess, on uh, the Tea with Mike show. And the tea fact for the episode is, if actors are required to drink whiskey in a film or, or TV scene, they are often just drinking uh, watered-down tea uh, instead because it apparently looks the same as uh, whiskey. And this comes from factstreva.com uh, slash tfacts. So it's always interesting to... Um, see the uses that that he has in the world. Do you like tea, Nick? Um, at times, you know, I would prefer just like coffee or anything like that, you know, but, you know, tea, tea would be fine with me if that was the only thing that I could get at the time, so. So I'm putting you on the spot, but if tea was the only, only thing in the room, like what tea would you pick to the best of your knowledge? Honestly, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not, I wasn't those, uh, I'm not that kind of tea person where I've tried so many different kinds. So it's just like any original tea would, would just work for me. You know, I'm sure you know a lot more about me when it comes to teas like that. So you would know what other kinds are out there, but I'm not really familiar with that kind of thing when it comes to tea. I'm definitely uh, still learning as I do the show more. I learn a little more about that tea each week. I would definitely not call myself a tea expert. I, I'm obviously British, so it's traditionally a part of the culture, but I'm no expert, but I'm just learning as I, as I go, you know, each week is a new tea fact. So each week I add to my palate and, and repertoire. So do you think that playing basketball uh, helped you uh, with your uh, self-esteem? Yes, absolutely. You know, I knew when to turn it off, turn it on and turn it off. Right. I knew when to when I needed that competitiveness out there and then I knew when to turn it off to be, you know, laid back and, you know, just to become a, you know, leader and captain because throughout all pretty much my whole basketball career, for the most part, I was always like the captain of the team and things like that. So if anybody on the team was struggling or anybody was mad that, um, you know, they turned over the ball maybe, or they made a mistake, you know, missed a free throw and things like that. I was always there to support my, Hey, next play, let's move on. It's all good. Nobody's perfect. You know, even the greatest basketball players out there, you know, they miss shots, you know, they miss free throws or they turn the ball over too. So nobody's perfect, you know, so just be the best that you could be. As long as you give 110% and every play, that's all that really matters. Agreed. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey? So obviously from, from high school, uh, play, playing a lot of uh, basketball at uh, university, uh, which you alluded to a few moments ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, transitioning from high school to college, I didn't think it was going to be very different, but it really was, you know, because not only the competition standpoint, you know, is a lot better because they recruit all the, you know, the best players that they could find, you know, it's not just where I live in Illinois, but I had a lot of teammates from, you know, like California, Las Vegas, you know, Michigan. So pretty much everywhere, you know, all over, you know, the country and things like that. I'm not going to lie. I walked in there I was really confident, which was a good thing, but I walked in there like I was already the best player on the team kind of mentality. And I remember the first open gym, there was, there was a kid on the team, you know, that was 
first team all conference. He was almost player of the year and things like that. You know, he was averaging 20 some points a game. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to light this kid up, you know, and when I was guarding him and things like that, it didn't go well. And then it really was like, whoa, okay. I need to, I need to, I need to slow down a little bit here. You know, yeah, I am overly confident, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you know, these players that have been here for years and they've faced the best of the best competition, you know, all over the Midwest and things like that. So I got to, you know, start having a good relationship with them. And so, and pick their brain as much as possible, you know, and the cow, when it came to like school and things like that, um, it was really the same because I really went to a small university with only 3,500 kids that went there. So the average size classrooms was only 17 kids per class, which really helped me a lot because that means that a lot of these professors are going to always be available for their office hours or anytime before or after class instead of, you know, going to a university when there's maybe five, six, 700 people in a hall. And, you know, obviously no professor is going to remember all their students. And if you ever had a question, things like that, if you're in a, you know, a class size with five, six, seven hundred people, there might be a hundred people that need help too. And, you know, there might only be one professor, and there's no way that they could possibly help you. The school that I went to, you know, th there was always ways to get help. And you know, with me with a learning disability and things like that, you know, that's just something that I needed. And Dominican University was the perfect school for me when I learned more about it when I went on my visit there. Yes, I definitely also uh, learned best in as smaller cl class sizes where I could get to know the teacher or, or the instructor a little bit um, more. Pers personally, know that I can send them an email and I'll get a response typically within 48 hours at the latest and uh, those types of things. And that was definitely something I utilized um, when I went to college uh, twice for theater and entertainment production. And then also more recently at the media and communication. So I talked to us a little bit more about how challenging it was in terms of uh, managing your time between uh, playing basketball and studying. You know, time management at first, you know, walking in as a freshman, you have no idea what to expect, right? Because, you know, it took me about a month to get, you know, to get the hang of it, right? Because, I mean, I always went to all my classes and things like that. But, you know, now you got to look at, oh, I got out of class at, you know, 145, but I got practice at 2.30, 2.30 to 5, and then I got to go eat, and then I got to, you know, get right to the computer lab and, you know, doing homework and things like that. So it took me a while to always, because in college, it's always, you got to keep moving, 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 moving. You don't really have that much time to, you know, to take a break and, you know, relax and calm down a little bit instead of, you know, just going to high school when you have the same schedule pretty much every single day, and then you go home. You know, and it's pretty much you do the same thing every single day. But in college, you know, it's different day every day, you know, because you have different classes in certain days and, and things like that. So your schedule is so thrown off every day. But, you know, I got to learn quickly that, you know, time management is really important because I remember my parents before I went to school, they told me, go, Nick, the only way to succeed in college is time management, because not only you're there, you know, you got a scholarship to play basketball, but you got to be successful in the classroom, too, you know. So, you know, school is going to always come first no matter what. So, and on top of that, with being a basketball player, you know, you have film sessions. You have weightlifting sessions in the mornings and things like that. So, I always learned that, you know, just always be on time for everything. And so, what do you think is the most important skill that you uh, developed during your uh, business and marketing course? Um, 
to have trust. And I think that's because, you know, a lot of, you know, business marketing classes, you know, you always have to work with, you always do group projects and things like that. There's not really that many projects out there that you really do on your own. So you got to be able to relate to these people because everybody has different, you know, schedules, right? Especially, you know, I'm an athlete, things like that. So I'm only, only available for a certain time of the day. And then a lot of people that go to college, you know, they have to pay off their school, right? So a lot of these people are, you know, they have full-time jobs and, and things like that. And they go from school straight to, to work and things like that too. So, you know, just always have trust that people are going to, you know, get things done and, you know, and getting to learn a lot of people was, was a great thing. You know, I learned so many other people's stories of where they came from and, you know, why they got the degree that they want to get in things like that. So it's an incredible journey, especially going to a small university, like, especially I was an athlete, you know, about 30% of the students there were athletes. So like I was able to connect with so many people right off the bat and, you know, I, yeah, I just loved everything about, you know, being a business major and working as a team and things like that. Cause that's the only way you're going to be successful in the world. You can't do everything on your own. So that's so true. And so do you feel that your learning differences and major studies more challenging at university or were they an asset? I think it was an asset, you know, because, you know, you learn so many different things and a lot of people have so many different, you know, perspectives on things and things like that. You get to learn more why people, you know, think a certain way when it comes to, you know, business and things like that. I was able to pick so many people's brains that were, you know, high honor roll students and things like that. And, you know, I got the, the and then they got to learn my story, you know, when mm -hmm. I told them about, you know, having to learn disability and things like that. And, you know, and they were so supportive of me because, you know, I was doing something that not that many people with learning disabilities were trying to accomplish was a college degree. And especially I was going to be the first person in my family to ever get a college uh, degree and things like that. So um, they were always just supportive of me. And they always they gave me like their phone numbers and their emails. Like anytime you need help on anything, don't hesitate. Hit me up and I'm always here to help out. So it wasn't just professors that were always there to help out. It was other, you know students in the classroom too that were just so nice and always wanted to help out if I needed it. So I, I want to, you know, thank everybody, you know, all my professors, you know, the faculty, you know, my basketball teammates, of course, you know, my coaching staff and all the other students that I've been in classrooms with, that I've done other projects with, you know, I got to learn so much and, you know, I'm using all that now. It's now to work on my, you know, national ability basketball league. So and we're about to dive a little deeper into into that. So in your bio, you talk about a project that you're working on with former NBA player Maurice Ager that aims to change the lives of kids with learning and developmental differences. So can you tell us a little bit about this project and who inspired you to start it? Yeah. So, you know, this project right now, you know, we're trying to become, you know, the first ever professional basketball league for special needs kids where they could get paid and become a true professional athlete that could work on their craft every single day. They don't need another job. They don't have to worry about anything else in life. You know, just come to work and play the game that you love, which is the game of basketball. Just so pretty much this is give you the NBA version for special needs kids. And we're going to get the best of the best competition um, from states all over the country and things like that. And, you know, working with, you know, Maurice Ager, you know, has been awesome. You know, not only he's very well known in the world, you know, for being a former NBA player. Now he's actually living in Asia right now, you know, helping out so many kids out there. And he was a 
Grammy nominee music producer too. So he's, he's done a lot and he's, he's very well known for a lot of different things, not just the game of basketball. And when I hit him up on social media, he got back to me so quick. He goes, Nick, like, I love this idea. Like this idea could really make a difference to millions, especially these kids out there. You know, I want to help out in any way. And we got on the phone with each other and, you know, we just created a great partnership ever since. So that's a, aside from the significance of at this project now and obviously moving forward, that, that, that must be a special moment um, also for you personally on, on how far on how far you've come. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I always, you know, I'm a big basketball fan and, you know, I know that he, you know, he played at Michigan State, things like that. And he was a former first round, you know, NBA draft selection and things like that. So when he wanted to help out, I was like, oh, wow. Like, because I just would have never thought that I would have somebody like that to support, especially in the early stages, you know, because, you know, most celebrities like that, they, you wouldn't think they would really go out there and support and put your, what you're trying to accomplish out there until, you know, it becomes Mm -hmm. very, very well known. And for him to be there for me, at the early stages of just, it was just at the time, just an idea. Like I really had nothing started. Like I didn't have a business plan at the time. I didn't have anything. I just told him what I wanted to do. He goes, Nick, dude, keep me involved. I'm going to help out. I'm going to spread the word. I'm going to do this. And he's, he knows a lot of people too. You know, not only like basketball players and things like that too, all the coaches he's had in the NBA and things like that too. So, you know, as long as we keep spreading awareness about this, you know, you know, he's going to definitely connect um, me to more people out there that are willing to help out. So I'm very excited for the future of this basketball league. How did you come up with the idea? Who who inspired you? Yeah, so, you know, the logo, which I have right here, is my younger brother, Alex, um, who has autism. And he's been my, you know, biggest inspiration because I see every day the challenges that he has to go through on a daily basis, you know, by having autism and things like that. And you see... You know, a lot of these kids, it's not it's not really a normal life. You know, they do the same thing over and over and over again. Like, you know, they'll go to they'll go to school and then they'll come back home and they don't really do that much else. You know, and for my brother to see him, he smiles, he's so happy, you know, he's laughing for doing the same thing every single day. If that was me, like I think anybody that doesn't have, you know, a disability like that, like if you're doing the same thing every single day, a good ninety percent chance you're gonna be miserable. You know what I mean? And that's just something just in general, like in society, like a lot of these kids don't have an opportunity, don't have enough opportunities in life to succeed. Right. Because you see after they get out of you know school and transition programs and things like that, you see that they only get the minimum wage work. Right. So you only see them working at gyms, grocery stores, you know, restaurants, you know, fast food places just to try to, you know, just barely make minimum wage. Like, how are they supposed to survive on their own? You don't give these kids to actually give them an opportunity to be well-known in the world. And that's something that I really want to change, right? Because, you know, one to 3% of the global population is somebody with an intellectual disability. So that's about 200 to 300 million people in the world. But how many of them are famous? Or, you know, how many of them have the opportunity to be well-known in the world? And it's just a shame that that many people don't get any chances in life to succeed. And, you know, enables the bigger than the game of basketball because we want to we want to show people that if you give these kids a chance, they get delivered. You know, these kids are very smart too. Like my younger brother, for example, he's the smartest kid in the house when it comes to technology. He can honestly be 
you know, a manager at any like technology company like Best Buy and things like that. Um, because anytime the TV, if something's wrong with the TV and I, nine times out of 10, I have no idea how to fix it. I call my brother down. He takes the remote from me and he finishes it in 30 seconds. So the fact that a kid like that can be that smart and that intelligent, but not have the opportunity to actually use that knowledge to be successful out there. It's just, it's just a shame how society has treated these kids with intellectual disabilities. And this is something that I've been wanting to change my whole life. You know, I want to spread as much awareness as possible, be an activist for the special needs community and help out as much as I can. Can you tell us in a little bit more detail uh, what autism is and yeah, and and you touched on it, but maybe go a little deeper into how uh, your brother with who has autistic tendencies has impacted uh, your perspective on life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, autism, it's very similar to other intellectual disabilities out there. You know, Down syndrome, Asperger's and things like that. You know, kids that are unable to like fully understand or not fully know how to act in a way and things like that. And to see like that every single day, you know, sometimes like I'll be at a, at a store, you know, at amusement parks, cause my brother loves amusement parks and he might act a, a certain way. And, you know, people are giving us dirty looks because they don't really see that a whole lot. And it just really frustrates me because um, there's a lot of people out there that are unknown when it comes to the special needs community or they're uneducated when it comes to, you know, the special needs community and things like that. And I just want to let these people know that there's so many of these kind of kids out there that have gotten the unfair treatment, you know, and that's just, I can't stand for it anymore. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that have helped out special needs kids in a lot of ways. And I think every single company out there, but I still feel like we can do better, you know, every company and, you know, just as a society, like we could do better for these kids and, you know, that's just that's just my mindset 24-7. Like, this is all I think about. The only times I don't really work on this project is if I'm at the gym or, you know, I'm working full-time too as well right now. So I barely have time for myself, you know, to do things that I enjoy in life. You know, the things that I enjoy in life are for other people, like especially these kids. I want their happiness to come first before anybody else for once because you never really see that out there in the world. Like, everybody – wants to do things that's going to be best for themselves. And I don't blame them for it at all. You know, accomplish your dreams. But my dreams is to make the special needs community as happy as possible. And that is my goals. And that's, and that's my um, aspirations, you know, to make dreams become reality for these kids. So how did your brother get involved in uh, basketball? And what do you think he uh, gained from being part of a team sport? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, Alex loved the game of basketball, too. You know, ever, ever since he, you know, saw some of my games and things like that, he, every time there was a timeout or things like that, he always took a basketball from my bag and just started shooting. You know, shooting, shooting, shooting. I remember the reps all the time used to, like, sometimes they'll let him, sometimes they don't. But after, I think it's just because he watched how competitive I was, how good of a basketball player I was and things like that, that he could do the same thing, too, you know, for special needs. So we put him in basketball, too, and he has thrived you know, so much, you know, he's, he was one of the best players on his high school team. He was one of the best players on his AAU team. Um, his high school team's been down state multiple times to almost win a state championship. Unfortunately, they didn't win, but the fact that he got to go down state and play at the highest high school level when it comes to special needs and to see five, six, 700 people in the crowd, you know, supporting these kids so much. And, you know, that's the, 
a lot that's the thing that a lot of people don't really understand if you go to a special needs game is like these kids do know what's going on right they know if they're winning or they're losing or the game is tied and the coaches and the fans take this the game so seriously too like there's never a point in time in any special needs basketball game where there's nobody not screaming in the crowd right it's the same thing as a regular high school varsity game or a college game or you know professional overseas or NBA and things like that you know, it's the same exact thing. So I just don't understand why there, there has not been a professional basketball league for special needs kids and how I, you know, how I came up with, with the idea. You know, when you're a college athlete and you're a full-time student, you just don't have a lot of time to start applying for jobs on LinkedIn. You just don't have a lot of time to do that, right? So I just took a paper and pen. And I just wrote down, started writing down everything that I enjoy in life. And basketball was obviously the first thing because that's what I loved when I was a kid. Um, you know, with having a younger brother of autism and, and working with a lot of special needs kids in my free time, you know, I wrote down working with special needs kids and me having a, you know, going to have a business degree at the time, um, you know, wanted to run my own company. And those were the first three things I wrote down. And as soon as I wrote those down, like a light bulb just flipped up. Like, I'm like, wow, you know, I just came up with something that I can't believe no one has ever came up with before. Like, and I just roll with it ever since. So, yeah, that, that's sort of how the, uh, the Tea with Mike show also started. It, it started as a college project, but it started with me writing different ideas down on a piece of paper. And then over time, it's uh, developed and uh, pro progressed. So, I can definitely see uh, some similarities uh, between us. How have, how have the skills that you uh, developed during the business and marketing course? How has that helped with um, the project and also what other skills have you had to develop that you didn't necessarily know at the beginning along the way? Well, that, that's, that's a great question. And to use, you know, uh, my business, you know, side of things when it comes to something like this, you know, I had to do a lot of, it wasn't just like, um, like business classes, you know, you obviously have to take management classes, you have to take marketing classes, you have to take accounting finance classes. And you got to take international business classes and things like that. So all that all that knowledge I learned from every single class, I just took into this project, right? It's not just, oh, there's a lot of people out there that think that they can run their own, you know, business and things like that. But people don't understand, like, how hard it actually is and how exhausting it can be and how dedicated that you have to be, you know, right? And me, you know, being a business major and things like that, like, you always had to be dedicated to your work. You can't. There's never a point in time where you can't put your 100% into it could be a homework assignment or a project, whatever, because that professor is going to know that you can do a lot better than that, right? And things like that. So that's how I've been able to do um, my business plan, you know, connecting with other potential sponsors and things like that. Like you got to talk to them like it's a business, right? You got to bring up like what you're trying to accomplish, why something like this should be out there. And things like that and give them like just an education you know about um for the special needs community and things like that so that's how i've took in you know how i took in my business into you know all this but something that i didn't um really use wow that's um honestly i think something that i didn't use well obviously you know hopping on podcasts like this and things like that right you know because you know you didn't you wouldn't think that just hopping on podcasts and things like that could really help out to spread the, the message of something what I've been trying to do 
So, like, I want to obviously thank you and thank all the other podcasts that I've been on because you guys have really helped out so much for taking your guys' busy schedules out of your day, you know, to come talk to to a person that you don't even know, to, you know, like, you know, to talk about something like this. So, yeah, you know, just been hopping on podcasts and things like that is something that I wasn't really aware of because I just um, didn't – Honestly, I never really listened to podcasts. Me neither you know, until before. I started a podcast. Yeah, so we can relate to that too. And now I realized that because sometimes it's like, why Why do people really want to start podcasts? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not that many famous podcasts out there, right? There's some, you know what I mean? Like professional athletes, things like that. They have their own podcasts and things like that now. But, you know, um, but no, uh, I really, pre- yeah. really appreciate it for sure. So. And also, typically, on average, um, the people with successful podcasts are people that have already accomplished a whole bunch in 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 other segments of their life. So it's and the podcast is just another way and they're all automatically bringing across thousands, millions of followers. So they automatically become successful in podcasting, even though they built it elsewhere. And that's just how the success looks in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you nailed it on the head, you know, because, you know, with podcasts, like, it's actually a lot of marketing to it because, you know, there's people, there's a lot of people that are huge fans of podcasts that normally just stick with the podcasts that they watch. But now you got to figure out how can I get them to watch my podcast? Like, how can I market it in a way, you know, to spread the message that what I want to do with my podcast to intrigue people? Just like what I'm doing with the National Ability Basketball League, like, I knew, like, a lot of people from my hometown, you know, a lot of people from that I went to school with and things like that in college, I knew I was going to get support that way. But how am I going to start getting support from these other states? How am I going to start getting support from, you know, potential sponsors and things like that? So we're kind of on the same boat, just in different paths. So I definitely see where you're coming from. What's next, next for you? Like, how, Do you have a – share as much as you can. Do you have a plan in place to – to get more as as sponsors and as more awareness for the project and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I've been in talks with just like I said, a lot of different you know sponsors. So a lot of like companies that are strictly you know working uh, to improve the special needs communities' lives and things like that. So I've been in talks with a lot of companies around the area like that. Also, I've been in um, talks with some you know sports analysts out there. I've been um, in talks with other basketball companies out there, you know, that would w- really want to help out in a way. So I'm just always on, honestly, I'm just always on the phones 24 seven, trying to get the word out there as much as possible. Right. Cause nothing like this has really happened before. So when you talk to people about, you know, enable and how it's going to be, hopefully become the first ever professional basketball league for special needs kids. Like a lot of people have so many questions about that, right. Because it's never been done before. And, you know, so I'm kind of still, you know, in the early stages, but now, you know, the plan is, you know, start off small because you're not going to know how many people would want to come to this event. And two, you don't know how many people would want to stream it because I'm planning on streaming the games as well because I want as much viewers as I can get, you know, obviously. So I want to start off in the Midwest region. So every state in the Midwest will have a professional basketball team. And as it keeps growing and growing and growing, you know, I would love to have every state in in the country, you know, to, to have a team. But the hardest part could be the traveling issue because, you know, a lot of these uh, um, special needs kids, they might not be able to fly 
So I would just, I think the best way to go about it is just having them to play by regions. So it'll only be like bus rides and things like that. So they would never have to worry about, you know, getting on a, on a flight and things like that. You know, I want these kids to be as comfortable as possible, right? I never want to put these kids in a uncomfortable position where they could freak out. You know, I, I never want to do that. So. Obviously you're a very busy person and 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 you're using your your time and your legacy to uh, to impact and help others which is fantastic but how do you look after your own uh, mental and physical well-being? You know that you know that's a great question. You know I just you just got to take things a day at a time, right? So what I do on a daily basis I go on my notes on my phone and I just have a day-to-day -day schedule. Okay, I got to make this call at this time. I got to make this call at this time. Or, you know, I got to get on the Zoom call with this person, you know, things like that. So so I always have a, a few hours to myself every day, you know. So I know how to – I actually structure my schedule just like what it, how it was in college, right? Because, you know, time management is very important, you know, because you don't want to kill yourself and do things at the last second because it's only going to drive you crazy if you always wait to the last second to do something. So – that's how I handle my day-to-day -day life. You know, time management is so key out there. So, What's one piece of advice that you um, would give to anyone based off uh, your story and everything that you've been through so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, never give up, right? Because even if you're, you know, doubted or a lot of people don't have a lot of faith, you know, in your future and things like that, trust me, I've been there, right? You know, as I talked early on the show, you know, being in smaller size classrooms and things like that. And, you know, I was embarrassed about it at first, but just embrace every position that you are in life, no matter if it's good or bad, because use that as extra fuel to the fire. You know, don't take no days off, you know, just always keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for your dreams because one day your dreams are going to become a reality. And it might take days. It might take weeks, months, years, but if you just keep going and going and going and going, eventually it's going to happen. That's the stage that I'm at right now because I've been working on this project for about seven. You know what? It's actually been close to a year now, about 10, 11 months. And it's been a, a grind every day, every day, every day, every day. And, you know, I've made so much improvements on it already. Now, fortunately, I came out with this idea, of course, when COVID came out. So the plans that I had originally when I wanted this to start and things like that, you know, it's everything was out the window. I had to reapproach how I wanted to get this done and when I wanted to get this done now. And the only good thing about, you know, with the COVID situation is like now I have more time to prepare for this. Now I could, you know, look at my business plan over and over and over and over again to see if there's a mistake or there's something that I should consider and things like that. And if people ever disagree with what you're trying to do, hear them out. Right. I know what I'm trying to accomplish is a great thing, you know, but, you know, there's people out there that I've talked to, like, very well-known in the world. They go, hey, I think you should tweak this a little bit. You should consider doing this. You know, pick as many people's brains as possible because it's only going to help you grow. Your way is not always the right way, you know, so – and nobody's perfect at the end of the day, man. You know, I've made mistakes in my life that I'm not proud of, but, you know, you just got to keep moving forward because at the end of the day, as long as you know who you are as a true person – that's all that really matters. It shouldn't matter to you what people say about you and things like that. You know, everybody out there has their own opinions in life on anything. It could be about a person. It could be about, you know, yeah, pretty much anything. So just say the course 
and just keep continuing to strive for something. So I couldn't have said it better myself, and I agree with literally everything that you uh, just said. So thank you so much uh, for being on the show today, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's the Tea with Mike show.